If it was like when I have like actual guests on, I, I put her downstairs more because it's kind of embarrassing if she like, does anything. But it's if she does it's only, something, it's only me though. It's only me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're we're a little bit less serious with people. <laughs> we are. Hey everybody, Eric Grenier here, and welcome to this episode of The Numbers. I'm here with Philippe J. Fournier, as always. Philippe, how are you doing these days? Uh, good to see you, Eric. Bonjour. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, how I'm doing? I'm doing tired. You know, picketing on you know, and uh, with my union is uh, it's difficult work. <laughs> you know, I'm used to being in class or in front of my computer in my office, and now I have to be outside all day. You know, sticking it to the man. Um, and it's cold in Quebec right now, so, so it's uh, it's been it's been a tiresome uh, week. What about you, Eric? Uh, no, things have been pretty good. I'm uh, all on my lonesome in terms of uh, running the writ and, and doing these podcasts. So no union marching for me. Mm. Uh, so I get to stay inside where it's nice and warm. Although, uh, yeah, it is getting a little bit colder uh, these days. It's and there, you know, huh? we're coming to the end of the year. Uh, we're going to have some fun episodes uh, over the holidays, oh, yes. and uh, we're going to keep going. So we're not going to be, uh, you know, taking a break. Uh, you'll have something in your feed every week, but this week we actually have pretty big poll to talk about. Oh yes, we do. Yeah. do we, one poll, I, I'd say one and a half or one and a quarter. I think. I think we have a well a quarter of a poll several to discuss. Polls, but there's been <laughs> one poll that got a lot of attention this week, uh, and it was teased. It was, was heavily, I would say heavily teased by uh, Mr. Coletto. Uh, and I don't mind that as much, but uh, y- you were kind of expecting, oh, was, is, is this going to be like a 12-point jump or something? What's going on? It was, it was teased so much that I think it was built up, perhaps a little too much. But uh, what were your impressions? So, uh, well, you we should say what the poll was for those who don't know. I mean, those who listen to this, I think they know. But still, we should. So, Abacus Data released its latest round of federal polling. And it has uh, the conservative lead going from 19 points, which was a tad high, to only 10 points. So, 37 for the conservatives, a drop of 5 points compared to earlier this month. Uh, And the liberals go from 23 to 27%. And the NDP stays stable I think it was 19% for the Yeah, it was 19% for the NDP. So uh, I have thoughts, but I'm really curious. You and I didn't get a chance to discuss this week. I was so busy. I want to know, what were you, was what was your reaction, Eric, when you saw this? I'm really curious to see what the next set of polls are is going to be, right? Because we did get a poll from Nanos earlier this week, which is the four-week trailing poll, and it had right. shown a jump of three points for the Liberals, uh, which is... Not too unusual for Nano. Sometimes it goes up and down. But then to see this poll from Abacus, a 10-point lead is a big lead, right? But it's actually been not since September that there's been a lead of 10 points or less in uh, in the polls for the Conservatives. So while it is still a huge lead and a nine-point swing is pretty big, uh, this is still, you know, a, a poll that changes kind of the narrative, changes kind of the trend lines. Uh, so I think it's it's really notable from that sense. Now, is it going to be the poll that we all forget about? Because, you know, the next set of polls are going to show the same 15-point yeah. lead for the Conservatives. We'll see. But Abacus tends not to be one of those polls that fluctuates a whole, uh, like, a lot. That's true. Uh, you know, if we saw this from Leger, it would be the same kind of thing. You don't often see uh, the online polls in particular 
have these kinds of big swings in just a, a couple of weeks. So I do think it does signify something. Uh, what it signifies and whether this is going to continue going forward, I think those are the big questions. Because if instead of um, being a 15 to 20 point lead for the Conservatives, we're still we're back to a 10 point lead, that changes the conversation quite a bit over the next few months, right? We're no longer talking about the NDP surpassing the Liberals. No. Uh, we're not talking about a super majority of 200 plus seats for the Conservatives. And maybe Liberals, you know, talk themselves off the ledge and don't really <laughs> see the need to push uh, Trudeau out uh, so quickly. Yeah. Well, I think the Conservative number for me, 37 was more interesting than the liberal number. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, for those who follow us, you know that uh, Eric and I follow all the polls. And uh, my rolling average on 338 uh, had the liberals at 25. And that included the abacus poll that had the liberals at 23. And one nanos rolling poll that had them at 22. Leger last week had the liberals at 26. So 27, in an environment where liberals hang around 24, 25, yeah, you're going to get the poll that's 27. Uh, but 37 for the conservatives. We hadn't seen a poll like below 40% for quite a while. Uh, at least three point. Maybe we had seen a 39. But yeah. So that was, that was lower. Now... <sighs> It felt it felt more like regression to the mean. I don't want to crush the hopes of lib- liberals listener, of course, uh, but it felt more like regression to the mean. But the thing is, when we see a new trend, we don't know it's a trend until we see much more polling. This is one poll, but it is coming an interesting time because, of course, lots of happening, uh, lots have been happening at the House of Commons. I think. Lots have been happening in just in federal politics as well. And I think the, the, the projectors were pointed squarely at Monsieur Poiliev for most of the fall. Uh, and no, rightly so. He was leading in my 15 points. He, he, you know, he has to look like a future prime minister. Um, so I'm not sure what to... I think I will know what to make of it in hindsight, <laughs> which yeah. I think is often the case with polling. It just so happens that we could be done with federal polling. I don't think Leger is releasing a new one. They had one in December. Ipsos is not releasing a new one. We may get, a, I guess, a Main Street. Who hasn't published lately? Uh, you know, and We'll get the Nanos. We'll see if the jump from last week. A three-point jump for the Liberals in a four-week rolling poll. And that's a single week jump. And so this is significant. It's just that it also could be noise. Um, yeah. But the fact that the Nanos and the, 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 the Abacus both show a jump for the Liberals in the same week reinforces the idea that there could be something to this. But it's still 10 points, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that's it. it. It is kind of remarkable that um, a Liberal supporter could look at this and be happy that they're behind by 10 points. But that's, I guess, how bad it's been getting right for them. Um but I think why it also is worth kind of paying attention to is that it, it makes a little bit of sense, right? Mm. The last few weeks have been a little bit more rocky for Pierre Poiliev. Uh, whether you agree with what he, did, what he did or said or not, the coverage has been a little bit more focused on him. As you said, the projectors are kind of yeah. looking a bit more on him than on the government yeah. over the last little while. Uh, there's been a few missteps, some votes in the House. That, you know, uh, what it really means, I don't know. Um, but when you look at the numbers that were also in the advocacy poll, it does show that, as you mentioned, it's mostly the conservatives uh, that seem to have taken a hit here, right? Because yeah. the liberals are up a little bit. 
But Justin Trudeau's personal numbers, still not really very good, hardly moved. Satisfaction with the government, hardly moved at all. The number of Canadians who say they would be willing to consider voting for the Liberals hasn't really moved. Mm-hmm. It's instead that the number who say they would vote for the Conservatives has dropped. Uh, Pierre Poilievre's negatives have gone up. Uh, and in a really interesting breakdown that Abacus has, those kind of like soft Conservatives or, or you know, the soft Liberals, whatever they, they, they termed them as, Right, see if I can find it, uh, what exactly they're referring to. Oh, yes, the time who said it was a time for a change of government, but yeah. they didn't like the alternatives. Right. That the conservatives lost a lot of support among that group. So it all kind of dovetails with what we've seen over the last few weeks, that if you were lukewarm about the conservatives, that maybe you've been turned off over the last few weeks and going back to the liberals, maybe reluctantly. Uh, so it at least kind of makes sense. You can explain it, Right. Which doesn't mean it's it's actually what's happening, yeah. but it at least is a bit easier to explain um, because of of the context. So I think that's why why we probably are paying attention a little bit more to this than uh, we would if, uh, for example, if the conservatives had jumped to forty six. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think we'd be we'd probably be raising a few more eyebrows because it wouldn't really make as much sense in terms yeah. of what's been happening over the last few weeks trying to find precedent and uh, those numbers look very similar to the 2008 federal yeah. election right almost um, identical yeah well the ontario numbers i have them in front of me right now so ontario in 08 so for those who don't know it was stefan zion liberal leader against um, against stephen harper of course 39 percent conservative 34 percent liberal so this is, zion had better numbers right now in ontario but the thing is zion had much worse number in quebec Um, The West was similar. Uh, The Liberals were doing okay in the Atlantic provinces, although not great. So, but this was a strong minority by Harper. So I, you know, we will, of course, I will update my seat projection as I do on Sunday. Uh, It's going to tighten up a bit. It's just that, you know, again, regression to the mean feels, it feels like Abacus had the gap a bit too wide. And I'm not. It, this is not a slight on Abacus. They do what they do is statistics. It fluctuates. It's normal. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, as you said, it's the jump could have been 44 conservative, and then mm-hmm. the the narrative for the rest of the holidays and for the rest of the December, the rest of uh, of uh, 2023 would have changed. Now we'll see. I, I'm curious to see now next week's nanos. I don't really like, I follow nanos of course, but I'm never really super eager to see it. I'm eager to see the next update, uh, to see if let's say last week's jump in liberal support was just a fluke or if it goes on a second week and then you can say, Oh, hang on here. There, there might be something to it. Um, and then suddenly we enter 2024 uh, with a big question mark in the horse race. Um, and uh, as you said, <laughs> holding on to the ledge <laughs> for some liberals, it must have been really hard. I don't know if you listened to uh, the bridge with uh, Mr. Moore and Mr. Butts. Uh, they yes. had a discussion on, on, on polls and the effect of polls on caucus and on, on MPs. I thought it was very interesting. I encourage everybody to, to go listen to it. Uh, again, uh, those who say they don't look at the polls are lying. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're lying. It, it, they don't have to. They could just say, well, we look at it, of course, but it doesn't matter too much because I'm focused on my work. But they usually some, some, some say, I don't look at the polls because I don't believe in it. If you don't believe in the numbers and those uh, and, and polls in general, don't go into politics because you'll look like a fool. But that's just me saying. So anyway, I think there's often the people who don't like polls. Uh, I mean, 
let's be honest, a lot of them are people who are supporting a party that is not doing well in the polls. Uh, suddenly they love polls. I'm sure there's a lot of people who liked this poll that didn't like the polls over the last little while. Nope. Um, yep. But I think often there's this, there's this discussion that the polls are predicting the future. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, like Democrats in the United States looking at this and saying, like, don't worry about it. You know, the elections next year, like these numbers mean nothing. Polls are trying to predict the future. I don't know They're why not. people think that when a poll comes out now, we're saying that Pierre Polyev is going to be the prime minister in 2025. Exactly. It's about gauging where things are now. Yeah. Which yeah. is still a very legitimate thing to do to understand where public opinion is right now. If if it didn't matter what happened between elections in terms of public opinion, then why do we care what happens in the House? Why, you know, exactly. then we should just be saying, well, it only matters when there's an election. Otherwise, then they get to do whatever they want. What we think about it doesn't matter. That's not how it works. Uh, so anyway, if you're complaining about the polls and whether they're going to predict the next election and all this, that's really not what we're talking about. Well, the thing is, if, want... that's the, if that's the case, they're probably not listening to us, though, to be fair. Probably not. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then go tell your friends, listener who uh, makes these comments to listen to this episode. One My thing I favorite... want to say, you, yeah, you, go you ahead. mentioned go that ahead. Um, the abacus, the last one, might have been a bit too high. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I wonder if at the end of November, that's when things were really at a plus 17, plus 19, because yeah. Angus Reid Institute came out with a poll today, which it seemed to me a bit of a... It, it, it was almost like the moment was wrong because the poll was in the field from, I think, the 24th of November to the uh, 1st right. of December. Yeah. And it also had about a 17-point lead, I think it was, for the Conservatives. And the Nanos poll that was, you know, kind of straddling the That's end true. of November had that 20-point-ish lead for the... So I think it's possible that the end of November was like the worst time for the Liberals in polling, and now they're getting better. Maybe that won't be the case once we see some other polls, but that would make some sense in terms of following the numbers. Uh, but yeah, the Angus Reid poll came out today, and it's it's a bit too old now, especially if things have shifted over the last few weeks. Uh, now, th there's always a question of whether things can really shift that fast when people aren't paying that much attention, mm -hmm. not in the midst of a campaign. Uh, so I'm open to those that kind of discussion and the idea that this could turn out to be a poll that we all talk about this week and then... Uh, the numbers over the next couple of weeks do not reflect it at all. Open to that possibility. But, uh, you know, the the numbers make some intuitive sense. And we'll see what other polls are going to say in the coming weeks. Uh, Quebec sovereigntists will love this anger street poll. 37% uh, of the bloc, a 14-point lead against the Liberals and the Conservatives. That... I mean, it's not a crushing number like Giuseppe used to have. But a vote split would mean, what, 45 seats maybe for the Bloc Québécois, yeah. uh, which would be a good harvest and would assure that if it's a minority, the Bloc Québécois would be probably, well, it would be higher than the NDP, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would hold a balance of power if it's a minority. But yeah, no, a 17-point lead, if it's a minority, there's something wrong with the, the system because that's that's nearly impossible. It has to be a majority with the with those numbers, but... Interesting. What do you think? Do you, uh, want to, do you got some more comments on the polls? Do you want to move to the by-election? Well, the thing is, I, I was just going to say, to finish on the point of the uh, politicians who don't like polls and say, oh, it's a, to influence, it doesn't inform. You know, I, my uh, sports analogies are perfect for politics because they, they take a simple issue. People love to have, to think about politics as sports, a team sport, right? Uh, it's and like It going, is in a lot of ways a team sport. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you, you, you open the game. You turn on the game, rather. Uh, sorry, Frenchism. Uh, 
you turn on the game in a second period and there's no like header that tells you the score and you're like okay so you see the game going on but you don't know the score is so you turn to your friend and say hey what's the score and he says well I can't tell you it's going to influence you it's like no I just want to know the score in the second period those who, don't, who say we, you know, polling should not be there. Yeah, we need to know the score during the game to better understand how the game ends. So anyway, but I don't need to, you know, to tell you this. Maybe but. that's a good idea for sports networks. When the score gets to like five zero, they take the scoreboard off because yeah, otherwise the, the viewership's going to go away. Who wants to watch a lose a game when it, you know the, the outcome's <laughs> already decided? And uh, take the numbers off the players too, so it doesn't influence our <laughs> enjoyment. And also, you know, just make the screen black. It may be no sound too. So anyway. Right, okay. Yeah, okay, enough, just, uh, enough about that. <laughs> I do want to talk about the one uh, bit of news uh, kind of electorally over the last few days. Carolyn Bennett announced that she was right. uh, going to step aside from her seat uh, over the course of the holidays. She's been an MP since 1997, so she's like one of the longer-serving MPs in the House. Uh, was a cabinet minister. She briefly ran for the leadership in 2006. Um Toronto St. Paul's is her riding. Uh, she's gonna if she vacates it. I think I saw December thirty first. That would mean that a by election would need to be called by the end of June. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see when that's going to go ahead because we already knew she was resigning. She had announced that before uh, the cabinet shuffle earlier this summer. The Liberals are running a nomination race, and you know there's someone who's already come forward, Leslie Church, who uh, has worked a lot with Christy Freeland. Um, it seemed to be maybe the favorite to win it. So the Liberals might be ready-ish to have a by-election. So I'm wondering if they're going to put them in tandem with Durham, because Durham has to be called by the end of January. Um, but I was looking at your projections for mm. Toronto-St. Paul's. You have it actually pretty close. I have it closer. Uh, the, the thing is, again, it's going to go up this weekend because of the latest polls. Yeah. But the polls in Ontario, I mean, if if... Uh, they, they showed uh, the Liberals being in the high to mid-20s, and they had 39% last election. And there are many ridings, southwestern Ontario, except the, except the urban centers, that where the Liberals are not competitive at all. So to make them lose 15 points or 13 points or maybe a third of their support... That means that it went down in many places where they used to have support. So it's close. If there was an election today, I'd be. It would be hard to not have the Liberal there winning. Uh, the last time it was PC. Well, it was another name, but I think it was the Moroni era, right? Yeah. It's been a long time since that seat has been Liberal. The the the, the NDP has done okay in some elections. Um, the Conservatives usually finish second. I think uh, I think the NDP finished second in uh, 2011, but I could be wrong about this. Uh, but I looked it up. The Conservatives, if they win seats in Toronto, this could be one of them. It's just that the gap is still pretty wide. So uh, yeah, it would be like the uh, like really far down the list. It would be a route. It would be a route. The NDP finished still third in 2011. I remember looking. They did the closest. Oh, yeah, that was the closest Bennett came to getting defeated. Um, but yeah, when you're thinking of the ridings in Toronto, that would go conservative. Oh, It'd be right. like the Etobicoke ones, the York ones, and that kind of thing. And then starting to get down into that area where Toronto-St. Paul's is, the Ontario NDP holds the seat. Um, it, it'll be, I mean, it depends on who the conservatives can find to run there, right? If they get just a generic kind of candidate, I don't think that would give them much of a chance because um, it is a pretty traditional liberal riding. But It'll be interesting if we do get the two by-elections happening at the same time, which might not be likely, but 
to have a Toronto St. Paul and be. Durham? It should be at the same time. Well, it like, should come be. On. Come on. I mean, we should go to my, my pitch, my set by election date. Set by election every dates, October. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's um, <laughs> it, it would be an interesting combination, right? Because you have a, a pretty safe conservative seat, a pretty safe liberal seat, and then kind of see how it how it breaks down. But uh, I think that I think that one is probably pretty safe for the liberals. But uh, it'll be a little test of their support in Toronto, right? Because we've That's seen true. some polls that have shown them in trouble in the city in, of Toronto. So this would be a good test for them. Apologies to our listeners. You're right. I, I guess I misread something. In 2011, yeah, the NDP finished third. I thought, I thought I, yeah, I misread, I guess. So Karen Bennett, it was the lowest. She had 40% of the vote in 2011, yeah. eight points in front of the Conservatives. So, yeah. Hey, okay. if, if the Liberals lose a seat they won in 2011... They, they might as well just fold as a party like you've done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so I smell a live stream then. If there's two by-elections oh, on yeah. the same night, we're going to have to cover that. Uh, yeah, although sure. even I mean, might even do an individual one. When I did a, a by-election for Mississauga Lakeshore a long time ago, I had a pretty big audience. for It was fun. For, and it was fun, yeah. yeah. So, all right, okay. deal. <laughs> <laughs> We have some uh, provincial polling, too. I don't want to go too much into the Alberta one that came out from the Angus Reid Institute because it is part of their uh, quarterly national poll, and it only had 400 people. So it was a pretty small poll. Yeah. Um, but did you have any any reflections on, on this poll that came out? In general, I would say, well, this matches uh, the trend that we have seen. The NDP is holding you know, what they have. They haven't been building. Daniel Smith, for all the talk about the Alberta pension plan or, or, or her fight right now against uh, Monsieur Guilbeault, uh, the environment minister at the federal level, uh, you know, I, I think the the, 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 the the lines are pretty drawn in Alberta and they haven't moved since the election. Uh, not significantly, at least. Um, yeah. I think Miss Smith at least succeeded in her first year as premier, she she got, was elected, I think, last October, right? So a year and two months, uh, but she won re-election in 2023, and there has hasn't been any disaster numbers-wise for her in her first seven months. So I think that's a success for her. Um, we'll see if she succeeds where other PCs slash UCP leaders have failed. It's been a while since a UCP leader has been re-elected, right? Um, yep. And so, uh, but so far, that's what I have to say. The numbers don't surprise me much. Um, again, the, the, the regionals were kind of bizarre uh, from from uh, from Angus Street, but it was a small sample, so yep. we shouldn't look uh, too much into that. There was uh, the numbers they had on the APP CPP kind of plan, still showing that it's not very popular. That more Albertans would not want to abandon the Alberta pension plan. Uh, but earlier this week, I think it was this week or maybe last week, the government more or less said they were kind of backing off from it. They're going to wait till the federal government comes out with its the big number that Alberta gets to take uh, from the CPP. So I'm guessing they, I, if they are doing their own polling on this, they're probably seeing the same kind of numbers that this isn't a really a winner. Uh, it has become definitely partisan when you look at the AR oh, yeah. uh, Angus Reid Institute <laughs> numbers. New Democrats hate it. UCPers like it. Um, so I think that has it's become just a, a, a proxy for for uh, for uh, partisanship. But at the same time, it's still less popular than than 
than the UCP. So it is still a vote kind of leaker for the UCP. So it makes sense for them to abandon it. Uh, it's it's a way to fight the federal government. It's you know it's it's the way to stick it yeah. to the federal government. And uh, you but know, the CPP many is provinces... not the federal government. The CPP is the rest of the country. Well, know? Alberta. It's not I mean, Ottawa. No, it, it's true, but. It's true, but there's, I mean, in Quebec, we have some of that, too, where it's the us against them mentality that's there. Mm -hmm. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't want to go into the benefits, the economic benefits, because I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be one. Uh, but uh, but it is a way to try to draw walls around Alberta and say, we will protect you. Uh, many provinces do this, and it's a vote winner usually come election time. And I don't think the Daniel Smith knows how to not campaign, basically. Uh, let's do a, a quick go around on Manitoba because we got a poll from Probe Research. They did one for the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, this is the first kind of in-depth poll out of Manitoba since the election. Has the NDP at 51%, the 51%. PCs down to 38 uh, You know, this would probably be 40 seats for the NDP. Uh, Wapkanu seemingly in the midst of a honeymoon. He was leading in the Angus Reid Institute poll in terms of Premier's approval ratings. Again, not too much surprising here. Um, if I was Jagmeet Singh and the NDP, I would go give Wab Canoe a hug and not let him go. <laughs> and make sure to have pictures and videos yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did, did you see the support in Winnipeg? Um, 59% for the NDP. Uh, thing is, which is interesting, right? But you can't win more seats in Winnipeg. <laughs> no, not naturally. Anymore, no. Na- naturally, there's no election right now. But I would say to the NDPers in Winnipeg and Mr. Canoe, this is really the definition, the textbook definition of a honeymoon, a post-election honeymoon. Enjoy it because even though it feels good right now, it will not last. It will, you know, it will not last through the whole four years. Um, so I think if you have hard policy decisions to make, this is the time to make it. Uh, not when you get closer to do to, to the next election, uh, but the, the PCs. Uh, do we have an idea? I didn't see. I know there's a race, uh, a leadership race coming. I'm guessing it's going to be sometime in 2024. I don't know if you saw any, uh, about this. I, I saw conflicting uh, articles about this, so I don't think they decided yet. Yeah, the last I heard is that they were still kind of figuring that out, and Heather yeah. uh, Stephenson still technically the leader. Yeah. Hard to imagine she wants to go back to the legislature in the spring as the leader of the opposition when you're a former premier. So yeah. uh, maybe that'll clarify some things. But uh, yeah, that'll be the next kind of one to watch what's going to happen yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, who's going to uh, who's going to try to run for the PC leadership. And I imagine, though, there's not going to be a lot of Manitoba conservatives very interested in that provincial job. Uh, mm. You know, when they're thinking about their political future, they're probably a little bit better off trying to be in Pierre Poilievre's cabinet than to uh, become the leader of the official opposition in Winnipeg. That's fair, but I think one the thing that I said, Eric, on this podcast right after the election was that even though the campaign, the PC campaign in Manitoba went to dark places at some point during the campaign, the party's in good shape. I mean, yeah. the, the, the NDP's in a honeymoon. You still get 38% of vote intention, and you have 22 seats province-wide. So uh, I think, you know, for, for those who have the ambition of one day being a conservative premier in Manitoba, this is not a bad job to get. Uh, but as you said, yeah, the, the, the federal positions may be more interesting. All right, let's do some uh, questions. Um, we've gotten through the polls pretty quickly today, so we might actually be able to do a few more questions this week. All but right. 
Uh, let's do, I'll combine these two questions there from the Discord. So if you're listening to this and you're, you're not a member of our Patreon, we solicit our questions from members of the Patreon. Uh, they can ask their questions on, on our Discord or on our Patreon page. You can join at thenumberspod.ca. So we got these two questions. They were from Ali Gersoy and Bride and JC. Ali Gersoy asks, and just goes back to what we were talking before, are we actually witnessing a liberal recovery? If so, is it a result of liberals starting to deliver results in areas such as dental care and housing? Or uh, is it the very partisan and risky strategy by Poiliev in recent weeks with a filibuster attempt and the divergent stance on Ukraine? This is how uh, Ali asked the question. And then kind of similarly, uh, Bryden JC asked, if this is the start of a liberal rebound, what are the precedents for it? Um, and what are the most likely factors explaining the turnaround? If this is either a blip in the polls, why now? And what will the conservatives do in reaction? Um, yeah. hmm. So I, I guess that's the question. Are we actually witnessing the turnaround? Um, <laughs> it's. It feels like it's uh, the simple question to that would be, I think, it's too early to say. It's, it's too early. I mean, it's a boring answer. And I apologize, Ali and Bryden. It's a boring answer to a good question, or good questions, should I say. It's way too early. I mean, we, I, I, by next week, perhaps we'll have more data that point in the same direction. And maybe. Uh, but I'm not going to stay here and get excited about the poll that looks, as I said earlier, like a regression to the mean. Um, but the, I think the, 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 the interesting part of those questions, I mean... Once one is why, and two, are there precedent of a party, a governing party, falling that much in the poll and then even recovering a little bit? There has to be. But I'm thinking the Harper years from 2011 to 2015, the numbers moved around a lot. Justin Trudeau, when he was first elected leader of liberals, went up in the first place and then he went down. And then Thomas Mulcair went up and he went down. And so there was a lot of fluctuation in those four years. But, yeah, but the uh, thing was with the, the conservatives as the government, they often just held their support. Uh, and it was the did. other parties going up or down, right? There That's was right. times, like, for example, I think when Stéphane Zion first became leader, the liberals moved narrowly ahead. Yeah. Uh, when Ignatieff became leader, I think there was a, a little while when the two parties were more or less tied. Um, but if I'm thinking about like a government that's really down in the dumps and, and is able to get back, we have a re- couple of recent examples. Manitoba PCs, they're behind by like 20 points. And in, they managed to kind of get things uh, closer before the campaign. That's right. The UCP in Alberta was yeah. also way behind under Jason way Kenney. Behind. Had a change of leadership. Daniel Smith came in. They were they fell back uh, again and then were able to uh, end up winning the election. Um, so I think there are some e- easy precedents to, to, to point towards. Um, you can even think about the liberals themselves, the, the Trudeau liberals, after the SNC-Lavalin yeah. affair. Yeah. They dropped back by... What was the largest gap at that point? Probably eight or th- nine points. Uh, no, no, it was more than that. I think it was twelve. There was there yeah. was a couple of double digits there. It was yeah. fast though. It was from April yes, to July. Yeah. Um, I think by the end of the summer, the numbers had tightened up a bit, and so we've seen these these big leads since July for the conservatives. So it's almost six months. Um, 
so again, good questions. It's too early. Let's let's yeah. revisit that in January when we get the. I mean, we know that the new year is a very interesting period in politics because families get together, friends get together, you have some vacation, you talk about politics, yep. and then you come back. The, the, of course, the classic is the 06 election, right? That, which had begun in uh, in December 05. And the numbers were pretty close between Paul Martin and Stephen, Mart- uh, Stephen Harper. And then right after Christmas and New Year's, you saw the gap open and the conservatives never looked back. So it, it feels like people talked about it and suddenly were more comfortable with uh, this, uh, this new conservative party. One other thing, there was a question here about um, what will the conservatives do in reaction? Uh, it mm. kind of goes back to the what we were saying about in that podcast with James Moore and Jerry Butts uh, for uh, Peter Mansbridge's podcast. It changes the mood, right? Yeah. Liberals were going into the holidays feeling that they were all doomed and this you know, the government's going to defeat and do they have to get rid of Trudeau? Instead, what they had was a the voting marathon session that the conservatives did, which wasn't really long enough to cause a problem because they said yeah. they're going to keep them home for Christmas. They ended up delaying things for like a day and a half. Yeah. But those kinds of events are almost like team building exercises. Conservatives are already doing well in the polls. They probably don't need a team building exercise, but the liberals seem to be pretty jazzed about it. The fact that they got all of these votes that they can say the conservatives voted against this and that, and, and they seem more energized. And this poll, if it's not refuted by a new poll in the next couple of weeks, will send them all back to their constituencies in a little bit of a better mood that maybe maybe 2024 will be better than 2023. Yeah. Um, and then what are the conservatives going to do? Are they going to say just a single poll? We still yeah. got a big lead. Don't change the plan. Or do they do they try to um, maybe, you know, kind of back off a little bit? Because uh, there was you could kind of see that over the last little while there is a little bit of a bravado. Maybe they're so far ahead <laughs> in the polls. Yeah, they don't need to worry about anything. And and maybe maybe they'll they'll pump the brakes a little bit. So I think that's actually pretty interesting uh, because, as you said, we don't know until other polls come out, but yeah. it will change maybe the next few weeks in terms of people's moods. All right, Donald Clancy on the Patreon ask: As support for the Parti Québécois grows in Quebec, what will that inspire increased support for Yes on Quebec's separation as well? So is the the the, the, is the support in, for for Parti Québécois translate into a support? for sovereignty are the two items related and it's funny that Mr. Clancy asked this because we've had recent data on this and we can have an answer uh, that that is twofold uh, if I may go first Eric of course um, first we had two polls back to back that showed the Parti Québécois in 30 and 31 percent it was Pals Dada and Léger and the, the two polls asked the sovereignty question. The numbers were different, but the trend line was pretty much the same. Leger had 34% in favor of sovereignty, and Pass had 39% in favor of sovereignty. So you could say it's different, but in both cases, compared to the previous poll of the same firm, didn't move beyond the margin of error. So PQ goes up 11 points, 12 points, if you, depending on which poll you look at, and sovereignty stays pretty much flat. That tells me that it's not new sovereigntists that the PQ is recruiting, but former sovereigntists that that were lending their vote to the CEQ. Uh, it could lead to an increased support in sovereignty, but so far, empirically, the data doesn't say this. Yeah. 
I don't really have anything to add to that, aside from the fact that the fa- uh, since the Pelsa was now in first place, it's getting a little bit more attention, and so it'll have the opportunity to talk more about independence than would yep. have been the case before. So will that have an impact? I don't know. Quebecers have been talking about this for decades, and you know, I'm not sure if, if it'll change anything. But so far, we haven't seen uh, any sort of relationship between the two. I'll say this, though. A pollster uh, told me that uh, he was polling recently on sovereignty. And he said, instead of just asking, would you vote for or against? Would you vote yes or would you vote no? Ask if you are in favor or if you're opposed and have the, uh, the, uh, the degree, like, are you very opposed or very in favor, right? And he said, the very opposed is very strong. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, yes, there is like a third to maybe almost 40% of Quebecers that say they would vote for sovereignty. But that block that is still against is really holding strong. And so if even if the support for sovereignty goes to 41, 42, that 55% against will be very hard to overcome. Now, I'm not saying it will never happen. We don't know the future. But it's, it's you know, three years from now will be the election. And Monsieur Plamondon said, if he's elected, referendum in a first mandate. So it's, it could come closer than we think. Um, we have a question here, uh, again, going to the federal. It was from ASAQC or ASA Quebec. Uh, would another conservative leader have achieved such a large-scale polling lead? <laughs> and he says it's clear that the liberals aren't popular. How much does the uh, conservative lead have to do with Polyev, focusing on issues like housing and uh, his uh, effective skills as a politician, as, as the questioner said, uh, versus people just wanting any conservative as they are the default alternative to the liberals? Uh, I think my view is that Polyev is responsible for a lot of it. I don't think he's entirely it. Um, but when you compare him to Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Shear, I think it's pretty clear that he is a more uh, more compelling politician. Uh, he's more, he's, I don't know, he's got, he's got extra gears, I would say. And right. he's had much better message discipline, I'd say, than either of the other two. So I think that a lot of it has to be given to Polyev. Doesn't mean someone couldn't have done better. Yeah. Um, but... I think that he, I I don't think it can just be put at the feet of the liberals, uh, that it's just them and that they've they've turned people off. I think that the conservatives have done their fair share as well. At the conservative convention in Quebec City, I can tell you, and I spoke to a lot of people there, members, MPs, uh, activist journalists there, um, Poiliev is beloved from the conservative base. They, they really, really love the guy, his attitude and his, his in-your-face attitude that sometimes we, we think, oh, maybe that's going a little too strong. Many conservative voters absolutely yeah. love this. So, you know, it's it's difficult to compare him to his predecessor. I mean, Andrew Scheer was a terrible campaigner. <laughs> he was not really good. Uh, Aaron O'Toole had a good start of the campaign in 21. Uh, he had some wind against him. That probably was not fair, but it's so. I don't think we can compare the two uh, or the three, uh, the three of those guys. Uh, but I can tell you that Poiliev, if he had a vote of confidence right now, the same way that some uh, we see at Quebec Solidaire or mm, party, yeah. uh, he would get in the high nineties, I'm sure, uh, of support from from the members uh, because he is beloved from the base. Yeah, and I think a lot of the kind of people that probably voted for Jean Charest in the last leadership race might not be still holding a conservative <laughs> membership card. Right they now. have left or have rallied. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move to uh, some uh, a provincial question uh, from Conrad AML on the Discord. And he asked, in British Columbia, how likely is it that the anti-NDP vote consolidates behind either BC United or the Conservatives by the election? It seems like one of the problems for them at the moment is that the vote split makes it unclear which one is the tactical, the strategic vote. Uh, and he says, do, you know, do, do we know how strong or weak the current United and Conservative support is? Um, I think there's think? a good chance that it does coalesce. Um, yeah. We've seen that all the, it, that's the history of BC politics. You know, it, it used to be the Socreds, and then it was the BC Liberals, and now it could be the BC Conservatives. Um, but there was a poll that was done. It was by Leger in the, in the fall. Yeah. And while it wasn't like a huge number, more people who were BC Conservatives were unaware of the name change for the BC United. Now, that doesn't mean that, it, you know, that they're, uh, they're only voting Conservative because they didn't know and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. But it does suggest that there's a chunk of the conservative vote that might not be super attached to the conservative party and might be easier to shake off. Um, but I don't know. It, I think it could simply be whoever's leading in the polls by next August when, uh, you know, when the election, I guess, will be called in September-ish. Yeah. But whoever's leading, I think it's almost like in, in Ontario politics or... That's what Instead about. of the progressive primary, it'll be the conservative primary. Well, the thing is, that's what I was about to say. You would think that the anti-NDP vote would coalesce. Didn't we see that about Doug Ford in 2022? And how did that turn out? Both parties at 24% or just yeah. below 24%. And so to beat the NDP, they would have to join hands at some point. They would have to to find a way to have an arrangement. It's not going to happen this year, of course. Um, so realignments can take time. Uh, sometimes uh, they, 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 it, it's, realignments are messy. And um, I'm looking at these numbers right now. As, and as you said, some, some people would say they vote conservative because they like the brand. Uh, I'm not saying they don't like the party. It's just that they don't know the difference between the parties, right? Uh, I, whereas the Uniteds, they just they just sold and destroyed the brands that they have, even though they judge themselves that the liberal brand was bad or not good enough for them. Uh, so we'll see. But I, we one party could overtake the other, or they could both get 20%, and we're going to see um, a super majority for, for Mr. Ebby. Uh, I think the the latter is more likely than the former. Yeah. There was some chatter, apparently, that the two are open to merger talks. But it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's very serious because I don't think either of them would back down because, you know, uh, the conservatives don't hold any seats aside from the, their two floor crossers. So yeah. there's a lot of BC United MLAs who might be the incumbents, but might actually not be the favorites anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, you're looking at the Peace River kind of ridings. Like, eh, I I really don't see... Because right now, it feels to me that the BC Conservatives have their foot on the neck of, of BC United, and I don't see what the incentive would be for them to take it off at any point, because oh, no. the longer this goes on, the more power they'll have, right? Uh, but if we they... need to see some fundraising. They They still haven't been... The last time I saw the numbers, they're still raising like in the tens of thousands versus the hundreds of thousands of the uh, of BC United in every quarter. Right. So, right. you know, we'll see if the money is going to start talking. They, a merger is not happening before they get a test, before they get an election. And if they, let's say the election is in October, 
occurs and in votes there are fairly similar just a few points apart then i would say maybe uh but right now why would the uniteds do that they they they, they what what would that party become would they be would they become the united conservatives they would have to be right the united conservatives <laughs> of british columbia well yeah there you go a new brand uh, a two province two neighboring province having a united conservatives but oh well we'll talk about bc um, uh, tons uh, during 2024 i'm sure yeah 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 um how about we close with this question here um <laughs> and i'm not sure if you'll have any uh, off the top of your head but nlc's milk uh, who still has the most confusing name for us <laughs> Um, on the Discord. And he said, any good Christmas gift ideas for those that love Canadian politics? He says, besides a subscription to the Red 338 well, Canada or the numbers, which is, of course, the best gift you could give anybody. Show them absolutely. you really care and get in touch with us. We can arrange gift subscriptions if you'd like and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tie them with an electronic bow. Uh, but anyway, does he says, do we have any suggestions for gifts such as books or anything like that for people like Canadian politics? Does anything come come to the fore for you? Well, the thing is, I haven't been reading much in this fall because I was way, way too busy. I talked about it. I was almost burnt out in the middle of fall uh, because I, I I'm, because I can't say no to I, I don't know how to say no to people. And so I did too much. <laughs> but the thing is, the holidays is usually a time when I finish marking my exams I wind down, I put some music on, I look at the, the snowflakes fall of the window, I have my cats on my lap. This is where I catch up on my reading. And I'm really looking forward to read that John Ibbotson book about um, about uh, mm. Diffin Baker and... Uh, the Duel. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, I have it. I haven't started reading it. Uh, I, I hear it's good. Did you read it or did you? No, uh, no, no, I haven't. No? But, but I really want to read that because it is a period of time in Ken politics that I don't know much about. I know the main... No, uh, actors i just don't know much of the issues that were there i want to know more you know i don't have a diploma in history my friend i i'm, I'm a physicist and so i want to know what's going on there so this is one of the books that i'll be looking forward to to read what about you yeah that covers the elections i think from 58 to 65 so there's yep. four consecutive elections with the liberals led by lester pearson and the conservatives by john diefenbaker and you have a period of Diefenbaker's tumultuous time in office, Pearson's time as a leading in a minority government. Uh, really just an interesting kind of thing. Uh, I guess it almost, we haven't had, I don't think, that many of elections with the same two people in it. I don't know if there's been four elections with the same two main leaders. Harper and Layton were against each other in, in uh, the same amount of elections and Duceppe, yeah. but not to the liberal leader. But anyway, that's it, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, for me, what am I looking forward to? Uh, I tend to buy old books, so uh, anything I, I would mention would probably be like you'd have to get it from a used bookseller. But I got this question recently, uh, like if you had to give someone a gift. There's actually a really good book. It's called Dynasties and Interludes. It's by um, uh, 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 John Pamet and Lawrence Leduc, I think. Or they were the ones who were the editors. And this is it's really just a book about federal elections Going from 1867 all the way to, the, I think the latest edition had 2015, maybe 2019. And it's just, it just goes over every single election. And I refer, refer to it all the time. It's actually, it's good reads. It's got lots of polling data in it and stuff like that. So if you can find a copy of that, um, I would suggest that. That would be highly recommended. The place to start. And then you can fill in the gaps with all these extra readings over time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll, you know what? That sounds good to me. Maybe I'll maybe I'll dive into that during the holidays. There you go. 
How about we do our numbers of the week? Just to uh, for for our listeners who listen to me, uh, our members who listen to me say I had a quiz for you this week. I'm going to keep it for next week because it was not polished mm. enough. I have a quiz for Eric in our French podcast that's coming up, but uh, I will have some pretty good quizzes during the holidays, so look forward to it. I think that. you but, might have to save the quiz until January because we, we got a very special episode coming soon. We uh, No, do. I guess next week we could do the quiz. That's true. Next but week the, you can do the, the quiz. The over-under episode. The annual over-under. Our third. Our, our third th- annual. Yeah, absolutely. That's, we've actually been doing this. This will be the third one. We'll and, see who won forward, in 2023. Well, that's the thing. The, 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 last, yeah. the, the, the only one that was complete, we had a tie. Right? We finished yeah. tied. And so yeah. I'm, I don't remember what I said, except that I did say that UCP was going to win. That's it. Uh, yeah. But I don't remember. I went too you, hard on the Albert NDP. <laughs> I'm going to get... I'm gonna get. Anyway, number of the week, uh, I have to say, I'm going to go back to the abacus poll and say 32. 32% liberal support among the 18 and 29-year-old mm. bracket. Didn't we say that most polls in the fall showed a resurgence of the conservatives among the young? Um, and, you know, this was a pretty good sample. It was 1,900 people in total. And so... <laughs> Has has something move a young monk, young people, or again, is this just a, a statistical blimp that uh, Abacus uh, did get? So I will check on those numbers. The next Abacus poll, whenever it is, maybe next week, maybe next month, uh, I'm gonna check to see if that young voter crowd just changed its mind on Poilievre. Yeah, that to me stood out because if it was like it wasn't primarily young voters uh, that moved over to the liberals. Yep. It was it was a big chunk of it because they're up eight points and only up four nationally. So it would you know be disproportionately among the young. But is that a real thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was so uh, specific to younger voters, makes me wonder. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be something to watch. Uh, I'm not sure why younger Canadians would have been turned off of Poiliev. Maybe they thought he was more centrist or something. I don't know. It, it's I can't. Ha- I don't have an easy explanation for it, which is what yeah. makes me wonder a little bit. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm also going to go back to the abacus poll. So 36% is going to be my number. This was the number of Canadians who had a positive and a negative uh, impression of Pierre Polyev. Uh, so he's now tied. That was a net minus six swing because his positives went down by three. His negatives went up by three. And it's the first time that those numbers aren't positive, that he's not a net positive. Uh, since early October. Uh, so again, this is why one of those things that we look at when we say we're trying to explain why the conservative number came down, it does seem like it might have been more driven by Pierre Polyev rather than Trudeau, whose numbers more or less stayed the same. So hmm. that'll be something to watch as well. If we see um, if we see in the next poll the same kind of numbers and Polyev's numbers are again on the personal side, not as great as they were before, then we have an indication that the conservative numbers are indeed coming down, and if, and it's because of uh, Pierre Poilievre, or at least a little bit. But again, maybe this will all be refuted. Absolutely. We it's, chat. it's too early, but what fun would it be if we had to wait all the time, right? So yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay, well, this will be it for this episode. And as I mentioned, we still got, I guess, two more for the rest of the year. Next week will be one of our uh, patrons-only uh, episodes. So if you want to not miss out on that you can go to the numberspod.ca and members of the patreon also get to join in our discord which is a uh, a good place to have discussions it's really where my what i consider my social media now it's uh, fantastic yeah it not really, really enjoying any of the other ones anymore <laughs> um so 
If you're already supporting us, then thank you so much. And we'll say hello on the Discord. And for that, we've got two more to go before the end of the year. And uh, I'm, I'm also really looking forward to just snuggling up on the couch. Also with my cat. We're, we're just cat guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, just bask in the, in the peace and tranquility over the holidays ah, absolutely thank you very much everybody thanks for supporting us in this project I appreciate merci beaucoup Eric talk to you next week bye